Welcome to Words of Grace, radio ministry of Elder Ben Winslet, pastor of the Flint River Primitive Baptist Church near Huntsville, Alabama. We invite you to stay tuned to today's broadcast. On today's broadcast, we're going to play part one of a message that we recently delivered at Flint River Primitive Baptist Church entitled A Continual Prayer Vigil. I'm always excited when a passage of Scripture from an exposition that we're undertaking in the pulpit happens to coincide with events in the world at any given time. And this message, A Continual Prayer Vigil, is no exception to that. This message is a part of our study through the book of Colossians, specifically as we come to Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. 
but it gave me the opportunity to discuss the importance of prayer and the powerful effects of prayer in the life of a believer, how this not only impacts himself and his immediate family, the micro level, if you will, but it affects entire church bodies when God's people pray, and it even shapes the course of the world. We know through the book of James that we have not because we ask not, and we know that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So prayer changes things. It doesn't change things because it's magic, but it changes things because God hears the prayers of his people, and as they pray to him, he answers and he grants them things if it is in his will to do so. The reason this was so heavy on my mind as we delivered this just this past Sunday was because of the world events that are around us. Admittedly so. The prospect of a global war, another world war, is something that's a very terrible thing to consider. War is not entertainment. It's not something that we should engage in because of excitement or bloodlust or ego, but it really is a terrible thing in the world. Now, to be clear, anytime we have a war in the other side of the world, people begin to wonder, is this the big it? Is this the end of time? Is this the final battle setting itself up on the stage of human events? And I just remind you of the words of Christ that prior to his coming all through this age, the church age, there are wars and rumors of wars. And if you're a student of history, you know that there have been more times of war in certain parts of the world than there have been times of peace. But that still doesn't take away the alarming threat that we might have to face of skirmishes between our country and other superpowers. And so, understandably so, many of God's people are troubled. As such, we need to understand that in times of trouble, you and I can pray. In fact, as we emphasize in part one of this message today, because people who know God are to pray to Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, at all times, as we read in Colossians 4, 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, Christianity actually forms a sort of continual prayer vigil in the world. As the world turns, people are always praying, and as they are always praying, God is hearing and God is intervening. We emphasize this and other points today in this message that we share, a message that we hope to continue and conclude on the broadcast next week. Here's today's message, part one of a continual prayer vigil. Paul writes to the Colossians, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, Paul was a prisoner here, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. We focus today primarily on verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Now, I'm neither a betting man nor a prophet, but if I had to guess, I'd assume that over the past week in particular, you have been more alarmed than you have been in some time. Now, you know that we don't talk about politics here in the pulpit and we don't preach you know, any sort of political rhetoric, whether it be American or any other nation, because we are servants of Christ, our King is Jesus 
and we preach the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's a kingdom that has existed since the days of the Lord Jesus that God established himself and it will exist in this world until the end of time. He will deliver it up and it will continue with him in its fullness in his direct presence as their king for all of eternity. This kingdom is at hand and we enter into its gates today with singing. We have a better thing to talk about than politics. But you and I would have to be the proverbial ostrich with our head in the sand to not have been alarmed at some of the things that we saw on television this week. I imagine a good portion of your week was spent watching the news. You were probably concerned. I've quoted recently a number of times the words of Herodotus on the subject of war that no one is so foolish as to prefer war over peace because in war, fathers bury their sons And in peace, sons bury their fathers. By the way, we are people who follow the prince of peace. It's said of the wicked that the way of peace they have not known. Christ came to, in some sense, yes, bring a sword, but that's in a religious and a doctrinal sense, dividing between the clean and the unclean. And the following of Christ does invite persecution in the lives of those that are faithful. But understand that this is the way of peace. Our desire in the world is to be that people live at peace one with another. We ought not relish in violence or war through bloodlust or excitement. Understand what we see over in the other side of the world is not entertainment. It's not a ball game, but people are really dying. And as much of a powder keg as it is, the situation in Europe right now being nothing to wink at, just a simple spark could flare up global skirmish and death and suffering that we haven't seen in nearly a hundred years. War's not entertainment, and as such, I, I know that you and I are troubled by that. I'm very troubled at what I saw on the news this week. When God's people look out at things such as that, a 9-11... How many of you here in this room can't remember 9-11 because you were so young? All these children. You look out at this room and all these kids, they don't remember the planes hitting the buildings. I was working as a land surveyor in a subdivision, surveying a plot of land that was going to be mortgaged off. Our hearts began to sink at the thought that our country might be under attack, literally here on our own soil. When a child of God sees something like that, I believe something in us makes us want to ask the question, what can I do? What can I do? Can I directly intervene and take a madman invading another country by the shoulders and shake him and say, what are you thinking? Stop in the name of God what you are doing. I can't do that. Do I have access to any president, any king, any dictator? I don't. I don't have access to the president of the United States. I don't have access to the governor of Alabama. How many of you would like access even to the local politicians? I don't have access to the leaders of nations around this world. What can I do? Can I go and help repel a a military invading another country. I can't do that. As I was driving home from taking one of the kids to a a class this week, I remembered some of the fiction that I watched as a little boy. And 
you know, comic book superhero movies have really come a long way with special effects and CGI. And I love watching Avengers movies and Star Wars movies and, and movies such as that. But when I was a little boy, the superhero that every little kid wanted to be was Superman. How many of you remember Christopher Reeve starring as Superman? He wasn't all jacked up on steroids. He was just a decent-looking man, and I mean decent in the sense of morality, a wholesome superhero that little boys wanted to be like. And I would put on a red cape and my blue Superman pajamas and run around in the yard with my arms out like I was Superman. I remembered one of the movies where nukes are launched, and he rushes up into the sky, and he gets them, and he relocates them, and takes them somewhere else and saves the day. And I thought, man, how I would love to have the power of Superman. I could just go fly to the other side of the world, knock through the wall, take the leader maybe three or 4,000 feet in the air and give him a pep talk as he hung there by my hand. But you know, I can't do that. I'm not Superman. I'm not invincible. I can't fly. I don't have superhuman strength. You and I As the world sees it, we have no power to impact the situation around us. But I want you to understand that that is patently false. You and I can, and the purpose of today's message, a continual prayer vigil, and I'm going to emphasize that point many times, is going to be an encouragement for you and I to do that which we can do. What can I do about the potential for world war? about an invading military, about a pandemic, about violence in the streets, what can you and I actually do that affects human reality as we know it for the better? You and I can hit our knees. You and I can pray. Now, you might think, well, gee, a lot of good that does. I want to tell you that people in this country today have such a cynical, unbiblical view, even Christians of prayer, that they will do everything they can and pray as a last-ditch effort. But prayer is the first line of defense for a child of God when things in this world fly out of control. Now, as we'll see today, and this is going to be a message that once we get past the preface and we're looking at scriptures, there's a lot of points that I'm going to give you, and I can't spend a lot of time on any of these passages. But you're going to see that prayer is the thing that we can all do, and not only is it something that we can do, it's the first thing that we ought to do when things such as what has been occurring over the past week begins to happen in the world. What can I do? Paul would say, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. He tells us that we are to, number one, continue in prayer. And number two, as we continue in prayer, we are to watch as we pray. And that word watch there is going to be the the foundation of this thought of our prayer lives being a constant vigil to watch as we pray. We continue in prayer, and we watch as we pray. How many of you, when you pray, go through the same exact things that you say every time with no thought of the actual circumstances around you? Watching as we pray means that we are to be intentional and that what we say to God in prayer is a result of what we see in the world as we are praying. 
The person that watches when he prays is paying attention. And because he's paying attention, that which he asks God for is very specific. He's praying with focus. He's praying with intent. Now, so many times, and and I don't fault people for this, but you'll see it a lot on social media and in prayer requests. I have a silent prayer request that I want to offer. And what that means is the situation is one that I don't want to tell people about. But might I say that I can't silently pray or unspokenly pray for your request. Tell me specifically how I can pray, and I will pray for you every single day of that week. And I will pray, and I will pray, and I will pray. I need to know specifically what I pray for. Watch and pray. We are to continue in prayer. This describes that the Christian experiences both collectively and individually one continuing prayer vigil. What's a prayer vigil? How many of you have participated in a vigil? A lot of times that's something that we see in our communities when there's a great tragedy. And mark my word, just begin to expect it. If something happens and what we see over in Europe flies out of control, we'll be here that night. It will be here that day. And I'm going to invite you, and I'll be here every day of the week as the community needs a place to come together and pray because that's what churches ought to be doing. This place is not to be a Sunday-only facility, but when there's a need like that, we can come together and we can pray. Oh, I can pray from home, sure, but let me tell you, there's something special when God's people gather to pray. Christianity, because of this verse, is to be one perpetual prayer vigil. You think about it, as the world rotates, you have people that wake up, you have people that do their business, they go to work, they come home, they eat, they have recreation, and as the time zones move around the world, as the world rotates and the, you know, from our perspective, the sun makes one trip across the sky, you have going around the world, alternating in time, everyone's day at a different rate. I want you to think about this because it really gave me something to meditate on. At all times around the world, Christians are going through the cycle of prayer. At every moment in human history, someone is praying to God. As the world turns, you say, I can't stay up 24 hours a day, several days in a row. No, but as you rest, someone else picks up the baton. Someone else takes that mantle and they begin to pray. And as the faithful Leave the recreation, the distraction, the discouragement, the anger, the hostility, the screaming, and they lock themselves into the prayer closet, and they begin to pray. You have this continual vigil, as it were, going around the world, continuing at all times as the faithful lift up their hands in prayer to God. What's a prayer vigil? We see those in times of catastrophe when churches come together and they pray. Communities come together and they pray. I don't know how the concept of lighting a candle and holding it up entered into the equation, but sometimes that happens. I guess in our modern day and age, we can turn the lights on and turn the smartphone flashlights on. That's really immaterial. It doesn't add anything to it. A vigil is when one remains awake in a time that he or she would be sleeping to either watch or to pray, and according to this verse, the saints of God are to pray, and as they pray, watch. Your life is to be a prayer vigil. 
And when you have every single person who names the name of Christ around the world praying throughout their day as they watch and pray with determination and focus and intent, literally, literally the events of time begin to change. And God hears and He responds and He blesses and He gives and He delivers. He intervenes in the course of human history. Emphasizing prayer is so crucial in our lives. I want you to think of it in the same light that you would eating every day and breathing every moment. It's a necessity like sleep and exercise and proper nutrition, not only for personal reasons, obvious personal reasons, but for the benefit of all people who live here in the world. Regarding this, and I like this statement from his commentary, Joel Beakey wrote, For the Christian, prayer is absolutely vital. Vital has reference to life. When you go to the hospital and someone takes your vital signs, they're making sure you're alive. We don't want zombies in the ER. He has no pulse and he's walking. Call the CDC. You know, this is 2022, right? 2020. 2020.1, 2020.1, 2020TOO, 2022. At this point, maybe I wouldn't be so surprised. Zombies are now in the ER. You take their vital signs. Vitality is your life force, strength of living. Prayer for the Christian is vital. Absolutely vital, Beaky says. Believers ought to give heed to their prayers, seeking to guard and protect the duty of prayer so as not to neglect it but to continue in it. Prayer should be thoughtful and intentional. In other words, we must pray. We must pray. And as we pray, we pray specifically for the needs and the dangers in the world today. Now, as we think about the importance of prayer, this is why Jesus taught the disciples before he was arrested, before he was crucified, Matthew chapter 6, uh, 26 and verse 41, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He's not referring to his flesh, but their flesh. Just a few moments from then, they would fall asleep as he prayed all night prior to his arrest, before his crucifixion. All night he prays, sweating as it were great drops of blood in agony, understanding what's about to happen to him upon the cross. What a hideous thought that was, and he was understanding all of it. But he tells his disciples to watch and pray. What ought we to do as we continue in prayer and watch thereunto? We watch and we pray. We watch and we pray. Continual prayer vigil. Prior to his passion, he prays all night, and he tells his disciples to do likewise. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus gave a parable And this parable is to this end, Luke 18, 1, He spake a parable unto them to this end, for this purpose, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. What happens when one faints? Well, if any of you have ever struggled with fainting, you know what happens. You fall asleep. A person who's fainted isn't conscious They're not aware. They're not paying attention. Pray always and not to faint. 
Now, in this parable he gave is the parable of the unjust judge, and there's another purpose of this parable to teach that God will judge those who afflict his children, and he hears the prayers of his children. In this parable of the unjust judge, you have a poor widow woman who was afflicted by people, and she comes to an unjust judge, and she bothers him, and she bothers him, and she bothers him. Day in and day out, she comes to him, she complains, she complains, and not because he's just, not because he cares, but simply by virtue of the fact that he's tired of her annoying him. He gives in to what she says, and he avenges her. That reminds me of some of my children. This woman pesters this judge so much, and he's not even just. He doesn't care. He finally gives in just to make her stop. Jesus taught that parable, again, to communicate these two points, that God, will, God who is not unjust, will avenge his children. But he begins it with this statement. The narrator, Luke, tells us, he spake this parable to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. A continual prayer vigil. As Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, he wrote a short statement. You probably can all quote it. It's three simple words. Say it with me if you know it. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Does that mean that literally every moment of my life, my brain, my intellect can be engaged in petitioning God in my prayers? No, I understand that I can only think about one thing at a time. Rachel thinks I can think about more than one thing at a time. And so I'll be doing something and she'll talk to me. And my mind is such that when it locks in on a thought, I cannot stop. I cannot derail. It's a one-track mind. That means it cannot be derailed. And she'll come up and tell me something, and I'm typing away in an email, theological discussion, or a prayer request, or answering somebody, or something, and I'm intently engaged. And after about 30 seconds, you're not listening to a thing I said. One-track mind. I cannot think about two things at once. When I am writing bills, or producing a radio program, or giving a trumpet lesson, or playing a gig... I might not be able to focus on praying at every single moment of my life. And Paul knows that. God knows that. That's not his intent. His intent is to uh, to communicate that you and I ought to always be about praying. And so when you're driving down the road, before you eat your meal, maybe intermittently through this sermon, just say a little prayer. God bless him. As you drive to church on Sunday morning, as you're headed to work, Lord, help me this day. As you get to a new task at the workplace, Lord, help me to get this done. Continually throughout the day, our lives are to be lives of prayer. Our minds are to be engaged in prayer. We're to be praying people. Pray without ceasing. Now, to be very clear, when Jesus warned against those who stood on the street corner and prayed, he also talked about those with this sort of vain repetition that would just sit there and say the same thing over again, thinking that through much speech they would be heard more than if they simply asked it once. And so they might look up and say, God do this, God do this, God do this, God do this, and they think they're heard for their much speaking. We have to balance this thought with that as well. They thought they were heard for their much speaking. We think we're heard because we pray through the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ to God the Father who rules and reigns. But that doesn't mean that we don't continually engage in prayer. There are very short prayers in the Bible that were just as powerful as the lengthy prayers. 
But that doesn't mean lengthy prayers are bad. Again, pray always, never to faint, continuing prayer, watching thereunto. What we do about these terrifying situations is we pray. Saints, we have an opportunity now to pray for something that is a very serious need in our world. We live in this world. We're not disconnected from this world. We're in it, we're not of it, but we're in it nonetheless. And so these passages give us the importance of continuing in prayer, and this importance cannot be overemphasized. The believers of the world are to so persevere in prayer that a continual prayer vigil occurs at all time, at all times through the world. If you enjoy the messages you hear on Words of Grace, consider this your invitation to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. An online directory is available at MarchToZion.com. Copies of this and other broadcasts are available for download on iTunes and on our website. Address your correspondence to Words of Grace Radio, 641 Moontown Road, Brownsboro, Alabama, 35741 or visit us online at flintriverpbc.org.